from the Unicorn Crypto Hour. It's 3 p.m. Pacific on Monday, February 19th. This is Dash Radio, and I'm Jay Evett here with CEO and crypto trendsetter Raul Sood. Hey, Jay. How's it going? I'm good. good. Very good. Yeah, today's show should be interesting. Later, I'm going to be speaking with uh, Liliana. She's a friend of mine from way back. Uh, she's a documentary filmmaker and venture capitalist, uh, and she's working on this uh, this really cool documentary on crypto. It's called Crypto Rush. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what's happening in crypto lately? Let's start with that. Uh, a lot. Uh, I don't know. If you were, we were talking earlier about Ellen DeGeneres. And on her show this week, she uh, had a whole segment that was dedicated to cryptocurrencies. You know, of course, being Ellen's show, wasn't a lot of nuance or practical advice. But the uh, reviews on a lot of the uh, cryptocurrency forums were really, really positive. Yeah, actually, it was, it was excellent. I, I watched her... Um, she was funny. Uh, she she asked everyone, you know, if you're familiar with Bitcoin, I'm surprising the entire audience raised their hand and they were all hooting and hollering. And, and she started to kind of make like, you know, interesting banter about Bitcoin. And they and all thought it, she was about to hand them a couple of million in Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. You know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was fun because she um, she actually made it, uh, you know, made it interesting and, and also kind of ex- exemplified the point that it's difficult. You know, like right. Nobody gets it. Right. You know? Right. And, exactly. And we're, you know, we're just one of a few companies that are trying to help solve that. So, right, yeah. right. Well, and with everything going mainstream, too, there was a lot of stories in the last couple of weeks that a lot of governments are really, really starting to pay more attention to cryptocurrency, too. Like in Japan, there's uh, several crypto groups that have all merged together to launch a self-regulatory body since the, the government themselves is not doing anything really about it. Right. Puerto Rican Governor Ricardo Rossello told CNBC that the troubled territory wants blockchain to be a part of their regrowth. The uh, Department of Economic Development and the Governor's Office are partnering for a conference next month. Going to be called Puerto Crypto. Yeah, I heard about Catchy. that. Yeah, I heard about that one. I, I know that uh, you know the there's uh, the guy from Blockchain Capital, Brock Pierce, is on it, and uh, there's a number of people talking about you know doing this in Puerto Rico. It's interesting. I don't know how that works with federal laws, but but it is interesting that they're that they're going that way. Yeah. Right. Speaking of federal stuff, too, in the, in the U.S., there's a, there's a couple of states that have got some really positive attitudes that have really been advancing Bitcoin legislation, really. You know, you wouldn't really expect places like Arizona and Tennessee and Wyoming to be on the leading edge of that, but they've all passed bills recently about regulation. True. And, and in Nevada, there's, a, there's a, a big group of people that want to make Nevada into a, a crypto-friendly state as well. I, this is all really good progress, you know, and in, in, in this industry... Um, a lot of the, 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 the old school or say the OGs of crypto are kind of against regulation. And, uh, and that's just not good because if without regulation, you can't get mainstream adoption. And the purpose of regulation is to protect consumers. So I'm sort of on the fence of, uh, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I understand the, the, the need for decentralization and, 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 you know, and, uh, and being able to disrupt, disrupt industries. But but at the same time, you know, I think working with regulators is, is the only way to get Bitcoin past 25000 So, Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Also, UNICEF, this is a neat story, I thought. Uh, February 2nd, they just launched a new campaign. They're asking gamers to use their idle PC time to uh, mine Ethereum to oh. raise money for children in Syria. That's a great idea. That's a neat idea. Also, we've been seeing, uh, this has kind of been a big thing lately, too, with the, with the rise of Bitcoin, the... Uh, Coinbase has had a lot of customer complaints that are continuing to rise. The Reddit page is still piling up with complaints despite hiring a new VP of operations, new customer support manager, and a new GM. Now, they're claiming that a lot of the issues are on, are not on their end. Visa's even leveled some purchasing restrictions in the past few weeks and things like that. Of course, they've also you know experienced some very quick growth. They've doubled in size since 2016, and they're also not alone in all this. You know, Kraken... Uh, had a big two-day outage last year that was only supposed to last maybe 30 minutes. Uh, Bitfinex uh, had a major denial of service attack last year as well. So, yeah, you know the the growth of these uh, of these fintech businesses in crypto has been nothing short of extraordinary. And you know, quite honestly, I, as I was speaking to the CEO of Bitrix uh, last month on our podcast, he said that you know, they opened up something like uh, 100,000 accounts in eight hours. He said there's no bank on earth that could do that volume. So they had to shut down new accounts because of the volume. The place is nuts. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And other news, too. Unicorn is uh, currently working with Malta Gaming Authority to assist in uh, creating regulated crypto betting. Yeah, man, this is massive. That's so. exciting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit biased. But <laughs> let, let me say that, you know, the, the Malta MGA is 
is uh, you know one of the it's like the platinum standard for uh, for for gambling legal gambling regulated gambling in, in the world, and um, our Malta license covers eighty percent of Europe, and we've been working with them, showing them the systems that we built for regulated token sale for a regulated token, uh, you know full AML uh, that's anti money laundering and KYC systems and and uh, how to operate a, a, a legit betting business on the blockchain. Um, you know, when, when we went to them, we explained to them that Unicorn is a, an esports company built on world-class betting and blockchain technology, and they were intrigued. And we showed them everything that we're working on, and they were, they were pretty much blown away. And, and now we're helping to shape their sandbox, and we will be live and operational across Europe with crypto betting soon. I mean... That's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's very, very exciting. All right. We're going to take a break before Rahul returns with documentary filmmaker and venture capitalist Liliana Pertinava. This is Unicorn Crypto Hour. We talk crypto, startups, and esports every Monday at 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific here on Dash Radio. To catch our older episodes, visit us at news.unicorn.com or find Unicorn on iTunes or wherever you get your broadcast downloads. Unicorn is a global leader in esports gaming and betting and are the creators of Unicorn Gold, which had the largest ever token sale in esports and gaming history. Play, bet, watch, unicorn.com for more information. That's U-N-I-K-R-N.com. Welcome to Unicorn Radio on the Dash Radio Network, where we talk crypto and esports on a regular basis every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. My name is Rahul Sood, and I'm the CEO of Unicorn Esports Company based in Seattle, Washington. And today I am speaking with a friend of mine, Liliana Pertanava. Liliana has a very interesting story. She's an entrepreneur. She's an ex-VC. I want her to introduce herself. The reason I'm bringing her on the show today is because she's working on something super cool in the crypto space. Hello, Liliana. How are you doing? Hi, Rahul. I'm doing great. I'm really, really excited to be on the podcast. Thanks for the for the invite and for the opportunity to share some info about what I'm doing currently. It's a really important project for me. As you know, it's about the crypto space and the community around it. But from the other side, it's a very personal project for me. So, you know, I'm really excited to share. That's awesome. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And we'll, we'll definitely get more into that project soon. I just want to introduce the, the, the listeners to you. Tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about your history and, you know, where you're from. T- tell us about Liliana. At the moment, I'm the executive producer of this documentary movie. And also I have some, you know, professional history in the venture capital uh, community. I was uh, the communication executive for an international VC fund, I think several years ago, that's when, where we met actually at the VC space, as far yeah. as I can remember. And also, you know, I've been working pretty much with some, you know, scientific startups, uh, working with physics research companies. And before that, I was TV and radio producer, produced radio shows. I've produced uh, news, TV news. And I really have a long time passion for all sorts of content creation and the technology space all together. So, you know, it's a perfect mix, mix for me to enter the, you know, the movie uh, space with the technology theme that I'm currently discovering. I have a very mixed background, I guess, but it gives a good perspective, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, we we met when I was running Microsoft Ventures and you were working at a VC mm-hmm. fund. And I, I remember connecting with you a few times, asking you for, you know, introductions to certain people in Russia and, and places in the Eastern European ecosystem. Where do you live? I live uh, in Moscow, Russia at the moment. Right. Uh, but I think I travel a lot. I travel like, I don't know, 20 times a year, I guess. Right. You know? And, and what, what, what did you go to school before you, you know, got into this media space? What did you study? You know, what sort of made you go from getting into media to VC back into kind of being an entrepreneur again? What, what, was, that, <laughs> what was that journey and why did you go? Well, it's a, fun, it's a funny story because... Actually, when I was a kid, I lived in Seattle, Washington. So I really, really love Seattle. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. 
Uh, later, I returned back to Russia, uh, to my hometown. It's St. Petersburg. It's the second largest city in Russia. It has, I think, six million people uh, in the city when Moscow is about 15 million people at the moment. So basically, I returned to St. Petersburg from the U.S. when I was a kid. I then entered more like a STEM studies. I entered a hydrometeorological university. Wow. Uh, with, yeah, it's environmental sciences. I don't even know what that is. Maybe, uh, but uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, those, those freaky guys who always, you know, talk about the climate change. Well, th- those are my bros. <laughs> oh, Makes sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I was uh, very scientific when I was a student. So I did a lot of research, field research uh, in meteorology, you know, the weather measurements. Uh, But strangely, during my college period, I actually entered the TV space and I became a TV host for, you know, weather broadcasting uh, news on a national TV channel in Russia. So I did the weather broadcast. Wow. You know, (laughs) on a daily basis. Yeah, because, you know, I had this background as an education and I was good uh, on the camera. So I guess that's why they chose me (laughs) to do this. So then why did you why did you get out of it and go into VC? Um, well, you know, it is, it's a long story. I'll, I'll try to be firm and short with my storytelling here. But after I was on TV, I started to work on the news. So the news, I, I went to the news producing and news reporting for like, you know, real life news. Right. And uh, later I became a radio host and a radio producer. And after that, I returned to the scientific and became one of the marketing people in an IT company. And then I entered the VC. So it was like a a very long way. The reason why I entered the VC space is because I was really, really excited about the startup culture, which I totally adore till this day. I was so amazed with, you know, the absolutely brilliant people working in the startup ecosystem which you probably know yourself, you know, it's uh, just amazing community. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, And it's really global. Right, it's global and it's different wherever you go. Uh, You know, the culture is different. Mm -hmm. I remember that they they were doing some big Skolkovo project in in, in Russia and and, Mm -hmm. uh, we would find super interesting talent in, in Russia, although... The startups were, it, it was sort of a, 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 it wasn't a mature ecosystem yet. So it was sort of a younger ecosystem. People were sort of moving from, you know, company to company. And it was really hard to peg the good investments from, you know, investments that, that might be failures. So I just have to mm-hmm. ask, like, w- what is like a really memorable experience of being a VC in, in Russia? And were you good at, you know, unearthing interesting ideas? Well, um, I was doing very inter- a lot of international activities as well, not only Russia. But, you know, the interesting thing about Russian side of this business is it's a very, very young culture here. But still, you know, there's a lot of brilliant, uh, I would say, STEM education uh, background. In Russia, we have a very good STEM education. So like great physics education, great math education, very strong math people. And what I learned from working with the startups who have that sort of founders, like, you know, great mathematicians and stuff like that, they are really, really creative. They can solve a lot of problems with very, very small resource, you know, and I think that is really smart. You know, it's really smart. It takes a lot of creative effort to do that. Speaking from the developer point of view, like you can use a, a stack of technologies that's really expensive to solve some issue. And Russians, you know, are able to solve very, very complex problems with, you know, a very cheap stack of technology, I would I say, and small, small resources. And that's really cool because in the startup, you know, you have to be uh, lean Yes, you know, yes. uh, with the budget and stuff like that. So that really helps. And I guess, you know, that's why a lot of companies, they love to hire, hire tech talent from Russia and Eastern Europe. 
in general. I right. think for <laughs> particularly for that. Yeah, you know? no, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think, you know, we, we have, uh, Unicorn actually has a dev team in Berlin. You know, my CTO mm-hmm. has been there for his entire life. He's amazing. But we also have a team in Croatia. And some of the most talented people on earth are there and great place for, you know, to set up a dev team. But um, so, so I guess, I guess, you know, to, to your point, people, people are entrepreneurial, they work, they work lean, that sort of thing. Was there any um, kind of, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs that you met then that became rich and famous in the last, you know, little while? Oh, yeah. I think one of the like I met a lot of great companies, I must say, because just like, you know, trying to remember and to name all of them would take, you know, hours, probably. (laughs) It's a huge list uh, of amazing companies and absolutely fantastic people. Uh, But, you know, one of the great companies is is called Wallarm. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's actually built by white hackers. You know, Russian hackers are quite famous lately. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, they but, are. You know, the, the, <laughs> but uh, the guys I'm talking about are the good hackers. I so see. they work for very, they previously worked for huge corporations that hired them to check the vul- vulnerabilities right. you know, in the software. Right. So they paid the, pay them money. That's called white hackers. So they do this, uh, you know, legally. Hmm. And basically, they've built their own web application firewall, huh. uh, a really cool cool tech software. It's B2B, you know, it's business to business yeah, yeah. and enterprise level solution. But anyways, you know, it's really talented, a talented team. And I think, I think their founder, he just uh, went to Forbes list 30 under 30, I wow, guess. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Cool, I think. And it's probably good to know people like that to have them on your side as friends rather than enemies. <laughs> so, hey, so 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 let's exactly. let's fast forward a little bit. I want to ask you, what was your first introduction to Bitcoin? Oh, it's a funny story because my first introduction to Bitcoin was when I was completely unaware, and I think I stayed unaware for a couple of years after. <laughs> You know, uh, it's funny because it was like, I think it was early 2014. I actually have one of the friends who is a big investor in the space currently. Mm -hmm. And I think he bought some company or he invested a company from China uh, in the like a Bitcoin wallet at the moment, 2014. Right. So... It was a team of, you know, some people who were developing in Amsterdam, uh, that is uh, Netherlands in Europe. And, you know, they had a funding from China and they had a very good traction from China as well. And basically they asked me to help with the TechCrunch publication for them because, you know, I, I was doing some PR and communication work as well. And basically I did a... I did an article uh, on TechCrunch about the funding and it was a Bitcoin wallet. But I was like, you know, I was treating it, I, I guess, like a fintech thing, you know? And it, it actually really is a uh, fintech thing. That's cool. And, and is, that, is that sort of when you kind of, you know, fell in love with the idea of Bitcoin or did it take time for you to... No, you know, I didn't. It? I didn't. Uh, <laughs> as I said, you know, I was completely unaware and I treated it as like a, you know, a fintech thing, a wallet. Okay, it's a cryptocurrency. Well, fine. You know, I, I've spoken to some friendly journalists at Coindesk. You know, they were like, I think the biggest publication about this uh, at the moment, at the time. It was not a hype based in 2014. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, so like he said, like, yeah, this is a, a good tech. It's a good wallet, you know, and like he advised me a little bit on the background of the crypto. Uh, and I did a good coverage on TechCrunch uh, later on for this company. Uh, but, you know, I was like, OK, you know, fintech, fintech, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, it's only early 2017 when I grew to kind of fell, I, I fell in love with the idea, you know, three years later. Wow. So Wow. It, it, it's actually amazing. You know, I was talking to uh, Bill from Bittrex. They're one of the largest exchanges in the world. And his story mm-hmm. is, is, is similar in the sense that, I mean, yeah, they were early in, in, in Bitcoin and the idea of an exchange. But 
things only started to matter in, in 2016. They weren't even able to get funded in 2015. And now they're probably the fastest growing company on earth. It's, it's crazy how quickly things mm -hmm. accelerated. So in, in, in 2017, you started to fall in love. I'm, I'm assuming you started to look at Ethereum and other altcoins and things like that. Is this sort of your, your epiphany? Did you decide to leave you know, VC and, and, and go, go pursue your dream? You know, t tell me about that and uh, and what made you decide to do what you're doing now, and then we can talk about what you're doing now. Oh, great! So uh, it's it's a very interesting story. You know, it's it's not a linear story like A to B. Uh, it's it's a complex thing because uh, for most people uh, till this day, uh, I think like the Bitcoin and the crypto space is quite. Um, a complex idea to deal with, uh, let's speak frankly, right? Um, so basically, um, to get involved, you have to be, you have to solve a quest, you know, you have to be, you, ha you have to be very curious, right? Right. <laughs> you know, to, to get in the space, you have to be very, very, very curious and dedicated as well. Okay, so you're talking about how you invested in this mine. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? So the story is funny because when I entered the crypto space, it wasn't like, you know, I was romantic. I was joining the revolution, nothing like that. I, I had some spare money. And so my friend um, from a VC company I previously worked at, uh, he just approached me and said that they're starting up this outsource hardware mining, you know, gig um, venture. And basically, I just, I decided to invest some uh, several thousands of dollars into the mining hardware, because the idea was that, you know, if something goes wrong, if, if you know, if this old crypto thing disappears, I can still have the hardware and sell it, you know, some return in a way. And so I kind of, I judged that, you know, it's a good investment. It's a risky one, but it was interesting to mine ether at the moment because you know it was not bitcoin mining bitcoin mining became very extremely expensive uh but ether at the moment i invested it was like april 2017 it was like 46 dollars and uh, for one ether so it was not expensive it was still affordable to mine it at a small scale which was great and so i kind of I thought, well, cool, this is like a uh, very risky, a very, you know, venture thing to do. And so I bought this hardware and outsourced the maintenance. Man. That was how I entered the space originally. Wow, that's uh that's amazing. Um so so you um got into the space then. It was interesting because um although you and I had met online and we'd corresponded online and over the phone, we hadn't actually met in person until you told me you were coming to Seattle. So it was it was interesting because it was sort of serendipitous that we met. We uh you you, you flew to Seattle, we went for dinner and you were telling me how you grew up in Seattle, which first of all I was blown <laughs> away by because you you knew the area and stuff. And then you started to tell me that you're going to Wenatchee on a trip, uh, and you and you told me about your your documentary. So I, I want to hear about that. Why were you going to Wenatchee well, of all places from Russia? You know, this was rocket speed thing. What happened with this documentary? It was rocket speed. So I was talking about how I invested in ether mining in April two thousand seventeen. At the moment, what happened is I, I posted on Facebook that I have invested ether mining and it completely went crazy. Like, uh, how do I mine? Why do I mine ether? Uh, why am I doing this? How am I maintaining this and stuff like that? And at the same period of time, I was looking for an idea for my documentary movie, frankly. So I was thinking to make a documentary and I was looking for the topic at the same time I invested in ether mining. When I got this, you know, it's kind of a proof of concept, you know, uh, that people are really, really interested in the crypto space. Uh, a lot of people, you know, what was really exciting and really interesting that 
I have a lot of friends in the IT space, obviously, like all of my, like 99% of my friends work in the IT, startup, venture, all of those things. And they all were not very much aware about the crypto. And this blew me away completely because, you know, I thought that, okay, so like if these, you know, cool IT people are not really aware about crypto, this means that there's a target audience. That means there is an audience for the topic, for the movie, potentially. And I was very, very excited about it. And I decided to, you know, combine these two ideas that I wanted to make a documentary movie. I was looking for the topic. I invested ether mining and boom, you know, it came together to me. A documentary on crypto. Everybody's interested about crypto. I want to make a documentary movie. I know tech. I know a lot of people uh, all around the world. Why don't I make a documentary about crypto? And, 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 and that was, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. And I'm so, it, it's exciting <laughs> to hear how excited you are about the space um, because I know how passionate you are about it. And this is just to paint a picture for those listening. This is what Liliana is like, you know, a personality. She just loves this stuff and exudes uh, the passion for the space. And, you know, I was, I was pretty blown away by the fact that you were coming here to Wenatchee. So why Wenatchee? Yeah, so about the rocket speed. Basically, I got this idea of the crypto movie in mid of April 2017. I posted on Facebook about it. And people from uh, Winachi Gigawatt Mining approached me. They said like, hey, uh, come to visit. We are, you know, three hour drive from Seattle, USA. Come and film our uh, large mining facility. So. This is why I got to Seattle in May, 2017. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, that was. And I, I just begun to film the movie like really fast. I just yeah. begun to film the movie to do this, and you know, engaged 100. percent And I remember how you told me the story that you, you know, you you put it out on Facebook that you're coming to Seattle. You found some, you know, like a local guy to come out with a camera drive you mm -hmm. out to Wenatchee, you know, and, uh, and then, and then oh, do this, this video. Yeah. yeah I, I want to, I want to say hi to Tim. <laughs> he is fantastic. I love him. Like, you know, he's a very nice guy, genuine person. And he was very helpful. And yeah, he was my first videographer. Right. Uh, so, so, you, so you meet yeah. this videographer, he drives you out to Wenatchee and Gigawatt's got to be one of the biggest, uh, you know, mines in the area. And I'm assuming it's because the cost of power here is very low. Mm -hmm. And and we started to talk about, you know, Unicoin, you know, and the fact that Unicorn has had the Unicoin out for a couple of years. And we were actually looking at this space uh, because we'd already been building on blockchain with our commerce platform and our, our betting platform. And I think that was kind of the spark, you know, dinner that we had was sort of the spark to say, we got to go get this done and, and create Unicorn Gold. So, you know, everything sort of works out for a reason, but it was neat to see that. You, you came to Las Vegas and you met us, you saw us at the Unicorn House, you know, you interviewed us. Oh, yeah. And, and you've interviewed other people. And who, who are some of the most interesting people you've met on your journey with, you know, uh, Crypto Rush and, and why? Well, um, yeah, the, the movie is called Crypto Rush and, you know, it has some idea behind it. So the idea is to enter this very interesting new space that is emerging. It's emerging for nearly 10 years now, by the way. Uh, it's 10 years of Bitcoin this and next year. So it should be a huge celebration, I gather. But basically what happened is somehow in a parallel universe with this Bitcoin creation with the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper, the new paradigm emerged. And it was very interesting for me to get into the space, inside, you know, into uh, the community of people who are making this happen. This is, you know, people are, you know, technology is cool. Technology is great. I love technology, but it's the people who are behind the technology. People are doing this. And I was, so eager to learn about, you know, who are the people behind this new industry. And I can now say that this is an industry, okay? It's, it's growing, it has its roots, it has its stack, it has its infrastructure. It's very young. It's still very hard to 
it's not very developed, you know, it's hard to enter, uh, but still it's an industry. And it just reminded me of the time uh, of the golden rush, you know, when all these visionaries, you know, these entrepreneurs, hackers, miners, you know, rivals, uh, you know, all of these corporate players, regulators, and, you know, gold diggers, scammers, uh, obviously, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, and, and this a- actually, is actually, hot was... soup, you know, of everything. <laughs> I was going to ask about Amazing. that. I was going to ask about that. But, you know, on your uh, first, where have you traveled? You came to Seattle. You've gone to Las Vegas. Where else have you gone for, for, for the movie? Uh, so we're filming in seven countries all over the world uh, in general. Uh, we've been to U.S., uh, we've been to San Francisco, Seattle, Las Vegas, New York City. Uh, in Europe, we've been to Berlin, Germany, to Switzerland. Obviously, the you know, Zurich and the Zug. Uh, Zug is called the Crypto Valley of Europe at the moment. Right. Um, also, obviously, we're filming some you know, cryptography and scientists in Russia. And now, uh, next week... I'm flying to Hong Kong, to China, and South Korea to wrap up filming of the Crypto Rush movie. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, um, so, so you've obviously met a lot of interesting entrepreneurs. It's probably a great story to tell. Uh, I mean, I, I honestly can't wait to see it. I, I've seen some of the previews and that sort of thing. Um, uh, speaking of scams, have you come across any scams along the way? Well, um, you know... A lot of people approached me. So a lot of people, they wanted to be in the movie, I would say, that are, you know, uh, not the most trusted <laughs> sources, I would say. Uh, so basically what we did is we, we started to write the script uh, from a research. We had a, about 300 people uh, on the list who we wanted to contact, talk to, and 300 people and their companies and their projects and their ideas. And we have researched for three months, um, uh, five people, me and my team, we have researched the area to kind of, you know, uh, vivisect, you know, and to uh, separate the jewels from the rock, basically. And to find the greatest concepts and the greatest, you know, speakers for for the Crypto Rush movie. So uh, some people, like I, I think uh, I, I don't want to call names uh, and name anybody particular, but uh, a lot of um, exchanges approached me. So you know, this exchange thing is uh, quite complex in the crypto space. And, you know, some of them, they just wanted to, you know, pop out and, you know, be in the movie to promote themselves, basically. Um, But the funny part is, I think one of those exchanges does not exist anymore. Wow, that's (laughs) unreal. Actually, it's not unreal. I mean, I've seen I've seen some pretty, uh, pretty shady things happening in the space. And it's disappointing. Mm -hmm. But but I I honestly believe that. you know, with, with more regulation and more time, people are going to get smarter and we're going to see less downward pressure on Ethereum because there's going to be less scams like BitConnect and all these, you know, USI tech and these these crappy lending platforms and that sort of thing. But I imagine since you're traveling to seven different countries, you're going to see a lot of this. And uh, mm-hmm. t- t- tell me, what what is your, um, you know, what are some of your favorite coins? Besides Unicoin Gold, which <laughs> is your most favorite coin, I'm sure. Oh, okay. I would say this. I have to say this, uh, but I just love Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I love uh, I love fun stuff, yeah. basically. And I think it was a joke originally, <laughs> but you know the craze of the crypto space is that it grew that big. This is you know like what. You know, <laughs> yeah. like WTF, like why, why is it growing? D- did you interview the founder of Dogecoin? Well, we contacted him. We contacted him and he was, uh, he wanted to, to be with us in the movie, but we didn't sync up the schedules, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe we will still have him, but we didn't interview him. We, we have his, you know, we were 
switching emails back and forth uh, with him, but just the scheduling is crazy. Uh, it's really hard. So, so you, you but he's a great guy. Oh yeah. You know, he's really critical. I love like he, he's doing a lot of great, you know, uh, I would say educational work in this space. Yeah, he seems. And he seems, I just love how you know he uses the dodgy coin as an example of the craziness. You know? Right, right. I, I like <laughs> his I like own how invention. He's, uh, I, I like how he's a, 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 he's sort of self deprecating and and uh, funny about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. l- 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 let me I ask this it. then. So so you know you're sort of in a dream job for a lot of people that want to go out and and you know do film and video and create something in a really hot space. You know, obviously this this will probably be longer than a movie. It'd probably be a multiple segment thing. How, how, how do you think you'll make money from it? And, you know, when, and, and when do you think, you know, we can see some clips of the movie and when do you think it'll go live? Well, the idea is to be, you know, uh, very focused with this project. You know, it's a movie, it's a creative thing to do, obviously. But if you do not have a schedule, if you do not have a focused agenda, uh, it's the same as the startup business in a way. You know, you will never get the movie out. You know, you have to be very, very focused. So the idea is we we have this schedule, the filming um, log uh, that we're executing very, very carefully, you know, Entirely, it will take a year and a half to make this movie. We're doing it for one year already, uh, six months to go, uh, more. And the idea is that when we return from Asia uh, in the middle of the March this year, we start the post-production process, which lasts about three months. And post-production, it's you know my favorite part, fl- frankly speaking, because... It includes the editing, the color correction, the sound. You know, it's very creative um, process. Uh, Still has to be on time and on budget, (laughs) nevertheless. You know, and the idea is to, um, you know, make the final cut and just go out and contact festivals uh, and distributors um, and just, you know, try to get the movie onto as many festivals as possible. So That's we have true. invites from Melbourne Documentary Film Festival already. They're waiting for us in Australia. Can you imagine like how crazy it is? I'm, you know, from a cold, uh, you know, vodka bear, balalaika, uh, I- Russia going to Australia to present the movie. This is insane. That's awesome. Uh, but yet, this uh, is happening. I'll have, I'll, I'll have to introduce <laughs> you to my partner, Carl. We have, a, we have an office in Sydney there. So, um, oh, amazing. But, uh, yeah. So, so we're, we're talking about six months. What about clips? When are you going to start to put out some trailers or teasers of it? Well, we have one trailer at the moment. It's a very early trailer. Obviously, it's super early. Uh, it includes some... Sh- filming from Seattle and San Francisco. Cool. Later, I think in a couple of months, we will have a second trailer after we come back from Asia. I think we will have some extras released in May, you know, just so, to, te- to tease, to tease public, you know. Okay, so is it, is it possible that if someone wants to get interviewed by you, you'd still be open to doing it? And if so, what would the process be for that? Hmm, good question. <laughs> um, I think like we're we're doing filming in Asia, right? So like for the next twenty days, we will be in China. Um, if someone from Asia is listening to us uh, and saying Asia, I mean Hong Kong, China, uh, including Shanghai in China, or South Korea, Seoul, Uh, we are filming there for the next 25 days in those regions. And like, I'll be happy to contact with anyone who is doing crypto or blockchain, um, startup or investment uh, related things over there. So there's still an opportunity if you're doing something spectacular. (laughs) <laughs> to be included in the Crypto Rush movie. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, and uh, so t- tell me, where can people find out more about you? Um, you know, wh- wh- what I do have, you prefer to follow oh, you? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what do you prefer? Uh, I prefer everything. <laughs> I think I'm everywhere. So basically, we have an Instagram page for Crypto Rush Movie. It's just like Crypto Rush Movie. Uh, I have a LinkedIn page. So, uh, you know, I'm happy to contact on LinkedIn. Uh, I do Twitter. So, you know, you're free to follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm happy to connect there. I'm, I love to chat on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, all of those networks are wonderful. I love them and happy to connect. Okay, Liliana, we're going to share all of your uh, social media details at news.unicorn.com. And, uh, and we'll have ways for people to get in touch with you. And if you're just catching the tail end of this on the Dash Radio Network, you'll be able to get an archive on it on our SoundCloud at Unicorn. And uh, you can just search for that on SoundCloud at Unicorn Radio. Thank you very much. Uh, this is uh, Rahul Sood, again, CEO with Unicorn. And, and I'd like to thank Liliana uh, Pertanova for joining me today. Liliana, your story is inspirational. I think you are a, a, a testament to any aspiring entrepreneur um, and, you know, any, any, even the fact that you're a woman entrepreneur in, in the crypto space is amazing. I think you're doing great things and I really, really cannot wait to see your movie. Thank you very, very much for having me tonight. Thank you. Of course. You take care.